From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. It's, uh, it's great to be with you this morning. Those of you who uh, are new or haven't met me before, my name is David, and I'm uh, delighted to uh, be teaching this morning and thankful for that opportunity. So those of you who were here last time I taught will know that this past week on Tuesday, I got to celebrate my first Independence Day as an American citizen. Okay, it was very, yeah, it was great. I celebrated freedom the only way I know how, which is watching a grown man eat as many hot dogs in 10 minutes as possible. Okay, it's how, and there are those moments where you see a man do something, you begin to question, what am I doing with my life? Now, am I making the same investment? My ta- we're gonna be talking about the parable of the talents today, so it's good, but there are also those moments you think of how the founding fathers must be so proud of the pursuit of happiness um, in those moments, and so, um, I am just relieved. I wasn't sure if Independence Day was going to be like Jewish Passover, where they gather around the table and there's a reciting of the story of leaving the slavery and leaving the Egyptian slavery. I didn't know if there was going to be a retelling of the story, uh, and perhaps I might have to play a role uh, in the telling of that story to just provide the authentic accent and that type of thing. So, um, but we didn't, which is which is good. So. Um, Last week, Mark guided us into a conversation around investment, and he painted this picture for us about how investment works in the kingdom, and that the truth behind it is that God cannot help but cause things to grow, that his desire in making an investment into us is that there would be growth. And not just for his benefit, not just because he needs to check in on his bank account every day and see that the number is increasing, not because of that, but because he wants to see that the investment he makes gets invested into others so that the kingdom of God grows and flourishes so that the things um, that even this country, when it was founded, pursued life liberty, the pursuit of happiness, those types of things, but that those things grow and flourish too. One of the things that Mark mentioned was um, the parable of the talents. And in the, the 20 minutes that we have this morning, I want to dive back into that story um, and share just some of the uh, things that uh, I think we can appreciate together about the parable of the talents. So in the version of the Bible, in the message version by Eugene Peterson, the parable of the talents is instead titled The Story of Investment. And I love that. I love that uh, title, that kind of framing over it. So the, uh, the passage is found in Matthew 25. We're going to uh, read it together here on the screen. G8Z6. I don't think that's mine, but I will. Uh, so, <laughs> my child, but there we go. Um, so, Matthew 25, it says this again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last says, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. 
He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so hopefully that all makes sense. And uh, unless we have questions, we can kind of wrap it up. And uh, you ever have those things in the Bible where you read these passages and you're like, got it, love it, great, perfect, beautiful, whoa! And then basically what you decide is hopefully that we run out of time before we have to get to those parts of the, of the passage, right? So, um, and if we do, Ben's going to pick it up next week so, um, and explain that. So um, I'm only kind of partially kidding there. But, um, so I want to just explore some of the ideas in here together and just, just kind of um, just share some of the things that at least I appreciate about this, this story. Again, what the message calls the story of investment. It's what it begins with, and it says that Jesus gives them an illustration of how the kingdom works. And so first and foremost, just to see it through the lens that this is an illustration. Okay, now that means that it's a good representation of what happens. It's a good um, insight into what happens, but it, it doesn't necessarily paint every single part of the picture. Okay? So depending on how good you are as a drawer, I'm a, I'm a terrible drawer, but if I draw something, you may at least be able to see that it's a, it's a human being or it's a man, okay? but you have no sense of whether it's a good-looking guy or it's a guy with hair or it's a guy with like, why his nose is where his chin should be, those types of things. And so it's an illustration. Now, Jesus is an amazing artist. So he's an amazing illustrator. 
So we can take some beautiful lessons from this, but it's just important to remember that it's an illustration. And so even as I try to describe the illustration, um, it's possible that I may miss some things in that illustration. Sorry, this is, the thing I realize is I have like a, I have this thing, this is, you know, uh, where my earlobes attach all the way down. Anyone else have that? So they like it. Okay, great. It's like a, a genetic uh, sign of brilliance. And, but the problem is, is that these things are built for people who don't have that. And so I, I just realized that this morning. I'm like, man, I, I don't know how to overcome this genetic challenge that I face. So, um, but it's like there's a... Um, uh, there's an art form called pointillism, right? And I forget there's the, the, I didn't plan to talk about this, but basically what it is, is there was this artist, and some of you are going to know which painting I'm talking about, and will be driven crazy by the fact that I can't remember it, but it's this painting where the artist, it's like they paint like this, okay? And this artist decided that instead of painting a purple, that what he was going to do was instead paint a blue and a red next to each other because he understood that the person viewing the painting, that their eyes were gonna translate that into this beautiful purple. And so, because that's what our eyes do, so when we see blue and red next to each other, we paint this color that actually isn't even there. But the point of doing that is to say that you, as an observer of the illustration, actually become essential to the art piece itself. That without somebody looking at it, without somebody engaging it and studying it, then it's just a bunch of blue dots and red dots. But when we stand and observe it, our eyes transform it into something beautiful. And so with this illustration, it's essential that you and I engage it and try and engage it through a, what I would call our true heart. You see, this is the kind of passage that if we loved to use guilt and shame, it's like a beautiful passage that we could use to use guilt and shame. And you could all walk out of here feeling terrible about yourselves, okay? And I'm okay because I'm staying here for second service. But you guys are going to go out. There, is, there are illustrations in Scripture that we can look at and use, and use our own lens and create a picture that is not there to see. And so just to say up front... God never uses guilt or shame as tools. He never uses guilt or shame as tools. And so if we read the parable of the talents and we feel guilt or we feel shame, just know and don't shame yourself because you see shame, but just know that that's, your, that's, that's something going on with your own lenses. That's not the intention of God. It never is, right? Because guilt and shame never actually bring about anything helpful in our lives. So the second point is that it says he divides this portion. He takes five, uh, say 5,000 or five pieces of silver, and he gives it to one. He takes two and gives it to another. And he takes one and gives it to the third. And it says that he does that, and this is important, it says he does that according to their abilities, and the word abilities means, duna, is the Greek word dunamij, right? Which means, um, uh, well, we don't know, but it means your, your power, your fo it just makes you sound smart, right? No one actually knows if that's what the Greek word is, um, but it makes you sound smart. And so, um, the, but the word means according to their power, according to their force, according to their strength, that kind of thing. 
And so I think the reason that the parable of the talents, we can get hung up on it sometimes, is because we think that this is an arbitrary breaking up of the talents. That the master, who is an illustration of the giver, that is God, that the master is arbitrarily giving out these talents. And that's where we get hung up. We, it's as though he shows up and he's giving them out according to who he likes the most or who laughs at his jokes the most or who looks the best. But what the scripture tells us, what the illustration tells us is that it is according to their abilities. So in other words, the master, before he gave the talents, he had been observing and watching and learning about the strength and the power and the force and the ability of each of these as individuals. And what that tells us is that the giving of the talents was not an arbitrary thing, was not about favoritism. It tells us that the giving of the talents was actually done through wisdom and through kindness. Because to give somebody something that they are not strong enough to hold is not kind, it is damaging. So if I take $5,000 and give it to my four-year-old son, okay, it's actually not a kind and helpful thing to do if my concern is the return on the investment. Now, if my goal is to fill my house with toy trucks and candy, I say give him money, okay? He's ready to make that investment, okay? He's saving up at the moment for a helicopter, which is great, okay? It's good. And... Um, but you get the point, to give, to give something to somebody who hasn't demonstrated the ability to handle that gift is actually not a gift at all, it is cruelty. And so many, many lives have been ruined through an, an inheritance that was believed to be generous but was actually given without all of the talent and all of the ability to know how to manage that inheritance well. Many lives ruined because millions of dollars were deposited into a bank account through a father or a mother with the intent to show love and kindness, but actually what it ended up doing is destroying them, okay? And I'm here to let you know that I'm ready to receive millions of dollars in my bank account, okay? So just, so we get that out of the way if anyone has any ideas. So, um, but he had, so the master had been observing and there's kindness and wisdom in the giving. The second thing about this is that it is not about what the master gives. That is not the point of the story. The, the story is not about what the master gives. The story is about what the servant does. And so you and I can spend a lot of our time worrying about whether we're the one talent or the two talent or the five talent. We can spend a lot of time feeling envious but the point about envy in the kingdom of God is that the reality, the core issue, is not that you have not been given enough by Jesus. The problem with envy is actually not that the person next to you has been given more. The problem with envy is that you don't realize how much you yourself have already been given. And so what the master is looking for is not what is given or returned, but what is the, the result of that investment. And so think about it this way, okay? If I give um, one of you a million dollars and I give another one of you a thousand dollars and you come back three months later and the person who, gave, who I gave a million dollars to 
Okay, maybe I'll never see them again. But if they do come back, they come back with 1.1 million. And the person I gave 1,000 to comes back with 101,000. You would say, well, who's the better investor? Okay, they both came back with the exact same amount with 100,000. But you would look at the 1,000 person person and say, wow, you turned so little into so much. And so what this story is about, again, is not about the constraint of what was given. It is about the invitation to investment. The invitation to take whatever it is that you've been given and to invest it into a place that is going to produce life and love and freedom. Because if it was about the absolute return, the master would have made a distinction between the two-talent guy and the five-talent guy. Because the five-talent guy comes back with ten. And the two-talent guy comes back with four. And yet what the master responds is he responds the same way to both of them. He says, you have used well what you have been given. And then he says, come, let us celebrate together. So, not about what the master has given, but about what the servant does. And so again, when we have envy, it's actually not driven by what we lack. You and I will never, in the kingdom, look at Jesus and say, you never gave me enough startup capital. You never gave me enough things to invest. He is, the problem is not that he's given too little. The problem is that we don't realize all that he's first invested into us. The third point is that this is not a one-time giving. So it's not like this was their only shot. It's not like the master had eight talents and this was like his one-time deal. And if you were the two-talent guy, you were never going to be the five-talent guy. Or if you were the one-talent guy, you were never going to be the two-talent guy. This was a moment in time when the master was observing their abilities and saying, I want to give you a gift according to the strength, according to your power, according to the investment that you have made in yourself to be able to hold these talents in the first place. And so if any of us are sat here today saying, I want to be the five-talent person, you can be the five-talent person, but you will be given that according to your abilities, according to how you manage what has already been invested into you. You see, we can look at saying, like with these parable of the talents, we can spend a lot of time worrying about what the other person has. Worrying about what, and we can do that in our, like, this isn't just kingdom stuff. We can do this in our own lives too. Okay, so uh, uh, this uh, study that was done, uh, it was, and it was actually done in, in, um, uh, in Denver, Colorado, and so uh, I think recounted in this book called Influence, but it showed this reality that when somebody in your, on your street buys a new car, that statistically the number of new cars purchased in that street goes way up. Because what happens is people look and say, whoa, the Smiths just bought a new car and they live in the same house as us. And so you get on Zillow and you find out that their house is worth the same amount as your house. And you start thinking, man, I, I was hanging out with Doug the other day. They make the same amount as us. Why don't we have a new car? 
And so what happens is this thing gets built because there's a perception of what somebody else has, and so we're trying to get what they have. And what the parable of the talents is, is stop looking to get what somebody else has and start looking to get what God has for you. Because what he has for you is so much greater than what your neighbor has, what the person next to you has, that he is the giver of gifts. Nothing worse than forgetting your notes when you're on the other side of the stage. Okay, so you got it's like a, actually there are quite a lot worse than that. But um, so then he comes to the third servant, and the third servant uh, takes the talent, hides it, and buries it. Here's what's interesting about the motivation behind behind why the third servant d- did that. He understood something true about the master. And yet his interpretation of what that truth meant was wrong. What he understood to be true, and we know it to be true because the master reiterates it, he says, you harvest crops you didn't plant. Wow, that's the alarm. We're not going to get to the tough part. Thanks. Um, uh, whew. All right. Um, so Joey Chestnut, hot dog eating competition. Let's uh, talk about that. He says, the master harvests crops he didn't plant and gathers crops that he didn't cultivate. And yet he says that because of that, it's like he has envy towards the master. He says, wait, wait a minute, you're showing up here, you're harvesting things that you never planted. And you're harvesting plants that you never cultivated. And the master reiterates the point and says, if you know that to be true, then why didn't you at least put this in a bank so I could have collected the interest? The point is this, is that we can have envy. Think about that. You ever think about joining a company or something where you only want to cultivate the things that you plant and you only want to harvest the things that you cultivate? And I want you to look around the room and think about all of the men and women that have gone before you and all of the men and women that will go after you in life and know that you are a recipient of their investment. That all of us harvest things that we didn't plant And all of us harvest things that we didn't cultivate. And what the illustration shows us is it shows us that something is true about God that he wants to work on the team too. That he wants to be a part of an investment team who goes out into the world looking for investment opportunities. That he wants to be a co-laborer. That he wants to be a co-investor that he wants to be a co-founder and he wants to be a co-creator with everyone in this room and everyone on this planet. And it's not because he needs a co-investor. It's not because he's short of money and he needs you to jump in with your money too. It's that he wants you to experience this beautiful thing in the kingdom, which is that we harvest things that we didn't plant and we harvest things that we never cultivated. And so you know that in a family, that if somebody in your family is making an investment into their soul, is making an investment into goodness, that you will reap the benefits of that harvest, that you will reap the benefits of their investment. Okay, and so... um, The problem for most of us is that we're unaware of what has first been invested into us. 
And even as we uncover and discover what has been invested into us, we're not sure of where to invest. I want to just encourage you to look at the person next to you and see them as the greatest investment opportunity that the world has ever known. That if you take those talents, see, that's what's fascinating about the five talents, right? If you get one talent, by the way, that alarm was for a 10-minute warning, so we're good. I, I know everyone's like, man, okay, so we're good. Um, if, if you get five talents, and you get two talents, and I get one talent, well, the kingdom is not about investing into literal banks here. It's about investing into other people. So if you get given five talents, and I get given one talent, guess who your investment opportunity is? That you come alongside me, and you say, I want to invest five talents into you. And so then I wake up the next day finding that five talents have been invested into me. Because somebody saw something in me that was worth investing in. And so when we think about the parable of the talents then, it's about really being aware of the fact that Jesus has first invested into you. Has invested his life into you has paid the price for you. So we better end here just because you'll think if I'm, if I'm not, I'm trying to avoid it, which I am. Um, and so it says, so in the final two verses it says, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be, be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So why end there? Okay, you're on a roll. You're telling this story about investment and then to end there. Remember again that this is an illustration. Remember a few weeks ago we spoke about the power of anchors in our own life. There's so much, I think, within me and I'm sure within you that wants to translate that as being shameful and full of guilt. But we know, we know it to be true that that is not what God uses to motivate us. And so I think, and this is not, this, this is not like, a, oh, wow, thank you, you just solved the problem for me. But this is just a, the beginning of an idea on this, is that I think what was being uncovered in that illustration was a sense of the importance of the investment, the importance of the gift, and the importance of the response. that what God has invested into you first was designed to be invested by you into others. And so you see, when you hide and bury a gift, it's not about the fact that it hurts you. It's about the fact that it harms the person next to you. You were given a gift, not to keep it for yourself, but to invest it in the people around you. And so if you choose to hide and bury what God has put in you, if I choose to hide and bury what God has put within me, it is everyone else who misses out on that. That the gift was always given so that it could then be given away. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at VintageCityChurch.com.